Welcome to the Ortho Eval Pal podcast, where we can help you build confidence with your orthopedic evaluation and management skills. We hope you enjoy the show. And now, for your host, Paul Marquis. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 299 of the Ortho Eval Pal podcast. I'm your host, Paul Marquis, and today we're going to be talking about common sources of dorsal foot pain. Today, we're going to talk about how to look outside the box when assessing dorsal foot pain and discuss the most common sources of dorsal foot pain. But before we get started, I'd like to just take a moment to hear a word from our sponsors. You've all seen the name Chattanooga in rehab clinics. Chattanooga has been a staple for all your traditional clinical equipment needs, and they are now carrying modalities including high-powered laser, focus shockwave, and radial pressure wave devices. These modalities have the ability to transform your practice from both a clinical and revenue standpoint. Trust me, I have patients traveling over an hour to come have radial pressure wave treatment in our clinic. Click the link in the show notes to request a quote, schedule an in-person demo, or get more information on their new modalities. You can also visit their website at www.lightforcemedical.com. Hello, everyone, and thanks for being with me today. Our topic today is related to dorsal foot pain, and the reason I chose this topic is because there are so many medical providers out there who tell me they really don't like to evaluate and treat the foot uh, and foot issues. The foot is so complex, and there are so many things that could be going on here orthopedically. Uh, So today I thought what we'd do is just take this one area, the dorsum of the foot, break it down, and help you identify some of the most common sources of dorsal foot pain and dorsal foot issues, all right? And I really want to do this to help you get a little more comfortable with the foot and then probably start to talk about different aspects of the foot in other episodes and how to identify and break down, um, you know, the different diagnoses in those locations. So let's get started. Now, dorsal foot pain can happen at at all ages. Um, There are different types, and we will talk about some that are more specific to the elderly and some that are more specific to the younger population. So the first most common source of foot pain that I see, dorsal foot pain, would be metatarsal cuneiform arthritis. That big old spur that you see over the top of the foot, um, usually at the second and third proximal metatarsal cuneiform joint, okay? So you develop this spur. You'll see this more commonly in older folks because this is a degenerative breakdown of the joint. Just like your AC joint that starts to wear down and develop a spur both on the top and on the bottom, you will see this in this joint also, okay? It's quite common. People will complain of their the top of their shoes bothering the top of the foot and causing some redness, irritation, sometimes complete skin breakdown in that area. Um, and it can be quite debilitating and painful, especially in the the mid-stance phase of gait and the terminal stance phase of gait when they're trying to push off. Um, so how do we treat and manage these? Well, you know, the, the, the simple start is relacing the shoes. And I actually do a video on, uh, you know, top of the foot pain and how to relace the shoe. You basically take that crisscross of lace over the spur out of the picture. So you just skip a, a, a set of crisscrosses there when you're lacing up the shoe. And I kid you not, it's probably the one thing that I've done with patients that they get the most relief with when they have dorsal foot pain. The other thing we look at are orthotics. Can we support that arch so it doesn't collapse so much and cause more trauma 
to that metatarsal cuneiform joint. So I like to put orthotics in folks um, under their foot, but that's going to increase the height of the arch and that's going to push into the top of the shoe. So sometimes they need to get into um, a little bit larger shoe or something that has a really soft top to it with a nice thick tongue. This area is very you know, close to the skin, so using something like Voltaren can be helpful or a non-steroidal anti-inflammatory cream of some sort. Calf flexibility helps to decrease the amount of pressure at the metatarsal cuneiform joint. Do not hang off a step, but as you've heard in my previous podcast, I don't like to hang off a step. I like to stretch on a slant board. I find that to be the best way to improve calf flexibility. Then you may want to get into a rocker bottom type shoe that may help to offload that joint a little bit. Uh, And then some people will require an injection if that is helpful, then surgery to help remove that spur. Um, And then, you know, that's kind of the last resort. Um, So that's how you treat what I feel is the most common dorsal foot issue, which is that metatarsal cuneiform arthritis or spur. The next one that we see uh, quite often would be extensor tendonitis. Usually from some sort of overuse, you know, we see this a lot in kids who are, you know, kicking lots of soccer balls um, or, you know, uh, football players. Anytime that, that those cleats may be a little bit too tight or there's just a lot of trauma to the top of the foot. Um, you know, people who work in facilities where they have to use a foot pedal a lot and pull the foot up, push the foot down, pull the foot up, push the foot down um, may develop some extensor tendonitis and then we'll see this also in people who wear a hard-heeled shoe or maybe the shoe heel is too dense for their body weight okay so just imagine this if you were to take a a step forward and your heel strikes the floor if you have a soft-heeled shoe you're going to collapse that heel first you're going to slowly plantar flex unlike somebody who has a hard-heeled shoe and strikes a hard surface, the foot is going to plant our flex a lot faster, okay, just because it doesn't give. As a result, you need to eccentrically load your extensors more to slow your foot down so it doesn't slap every time you heel strike, okay? So you can eccentrically overload those extensors, and that could be a problem. So couple ways to try to treat some of these issues with the extensor tendonitis would be, you know, if you're somebody who's doing a lot of kicking sports, Take the knot of your laces and put it off to the side, okay? So knot your shoe off to the side instead of dead center. Um, Sometimes you can get cleats that have uh, the tongue that comes over the top and you just tie the the shoe off to the side and that's probably the better way to do it. Um, Iontophoresis can be helpful because this is such a a localized area um, with inflammation, I like to use dexamethasone with sodium phosphate in that region. It's an easy place to treat. Uh, then, you're, again, your topical non-steroidal anti-inflammatory creams can be helpful. And then maybe consider a soft-heeled shoe or sneaker to help decrease that eccentric load when they're walking during the day or with their regular activity. And then there might have to be a decrease in activity, especially if they're doing a lot of running uh, and cutting and that type of thing. So you may want to just modify the activity level a little bit. The next thing that I've seen that can cause some dorsal foot pain would be a uh, metatarsal stress fracture, often caused by overuse, lots of running, jumping, cutting. You'll commonly see some swelling throughout the dorsum of the foot. 
They're going to have pain with weight bearing. And here's the one that really helps to identify if this is a, a metatarsal stress fracture is that they'll have not only tenderness over the dorsum of the metatarsal, but they'll also have tenderness in the plantar aspect of the metatarsal. So if they're tender above and tender below, then there is you need to really be questioning a stress fracture or even a complete fracture in that area. You know, why are these the other thing I look at and and please don't take this the wrong way. I was I was actually called a racist once because I made this comment. But if your patient is blonde haired, blue eyed and sunburns easily or has freckles, um, these folks are at higher risk of osteoporotic changes. And I've classically seen these folks stress fracture more easily than others. Okay. Um, so um, it's not uncommon for me to ask if that's their natural hair color. I take a look at their eyes and I ask them, do they sunburn easily? Um, and, uh, and sometimes these folks will stress fracture easier. So I am more likely to send somebody off for an x-ray or uh, maybe a podiatry consult or something like that. If they start to develop swelling in the uh, forefoot, I mean in the uh, midfoot, and they have tenderness uh, above and below. So I will keep that in consideration. You know, and it's not uncommon for people who have, uh, you know, eating disorders to develop stress fractures in the feet. So, you know, that is something to take into consideration also. How do you manage these? Rest, proper diet, I like to use a walker boot, and um, as you may have heard in other foot and ankle presentations or podcasts that I've given in the past, I do not like and I actually despise short walker boots, okay? You need to stabilize the ankle. You need to utilize the, the cam portion of the, the walker boot underneath, and you need to immobilize enough. So you need that long upright in order to do that and do it appropriately. I find the short walker boots is no better than having a high top sneaker that is not laced up. Um, you still have excess dorsiflexion, lots of forefoot pressure. Uh, and so I'm a big advocate of walker boot fitting for these folks, at least for two or three weeks, just to rest things up a little bit. And then obviously a modification of activity and then slow return to activity after that, as long as the symptoms start to settle down nicely. The next one, a Lisfranc injury. Now, this is not very common, but this is one of those types of injuries you do not want to miss, okay? And this is an injury at the tarsal-metatarsal junction. It could be a fracture. It could be cartilage, a cartilage injury. It could be a ligamentous injury in this area. And these can be serious. It usually occurs um, while playing sports and the foot is in the plantar flex position, and somebody lands on the foot, or maybe there's just a, uh, a funny fall where they, they go into hyper plantar flexion, uh, and it can damage some of those structures in that mid-tarsal region. This is very painful. They usually have pain with weight bearing. And then you can see some bruising in the dorsal and the plantar surface of the foot. Now, if you have plantar bruising, you need to be suspicious of a you know, plantar fascia tear. But remember, these injuries are a plantar flexion injury, not a dorsiflexion injury. So not likely to be a plantar um, fascia tear, but more likely a Lisfranc injury. So 
If you see this and you see swelling in the area, you need to be suspicious of that, okay? And if you are at all suspicious, you need to refer to ortho right away so that it can be immobilized and um, have some good stability because this could cause long-term disability, instability of the foot, um, early pronation and collapse of the arch. And so this is something you need to take seriously. So um, just kind of remember that if somebody comes in and say, you know, I sprained my ankle or I fell and somebody fell on my, my foot, you need to be asking about the mechanism. Take a good look at it. If you are suspicious of the Lisfranc, then uh, send them right off. Get some x-rays, send them to ortho, and they'll take care of them from there. Um the other thing that we will see on occasion, it's not very common, but is a Taylor peak from Taylor tarsal coalition. So it's basically a little spur off the anterior talus. And this happens from abnormal talocalcaneal motion, which basically you're, you're born with, okay? Um, there is a genetic mutation that happens and you're born with it. And a lot of people will get through their lives and not even know they have it. Now, some people will have it and then slowly develop some overuse and spurring of the anterior talus. And the classic sign of this is that when a patient dorsiflexes the foot, they put a finger on the anterior ankle and say, I can't bend my, my ankle back anymore because I have pain on the front of the ankle. Now, they're not limited by gastroxoleus tightness or inflexibility. Now, some of these people will get this because, um, you know, of a long period of immobilization also. So maybe they had an ankle sprain or an, an ankle foot injury. Uh, it might have been a fracture. They were put in a cast for a while. And um, they get out and you start to dorsiflex them, which is very important early on. But some of them will develop some scar tissue there. And that spur will just cause more of a, a quote-unquote pinching sensation in the front of the ankle and that will migrate over the dorsum of the foot. So just something to take into consideration when you dorsiflex the foot. I would also dorsiflex the foot while the knee is flexed so you get that gastroxoleus out of the picture and if they still have that pinch on the front of the ankle you need to be suspicious of this. Um, they can have significant limitation going downstairs and difficulty squatting with this pinch in the front of the ankle that migrates into the top of the foot. So um, again, hard to treat. I might put these people into a rocker bottom type shoe just so that um, they don't have, if they if they have some ankle loss of dorsiflexion in the ankle, then you can compensate with that with a rocker bottom type shoe. But oftentimes uh, these need to be surgically fixed and it's a removal of that spur and these folks need to be dorsiflexed immediately after surgery so it doesn't scar back down. Um, and uh, that really helps to, you know, obtain better dorsiflexion, ultimately better function. Lastly, the last thing I'm going to talk about is going to be to not forget the lumbar spine, okay? Remember, L5 and L5 nerve root compression can cause pain over the dorsum of the foot. Something you need to remember, they may have a little bit of tingling there also. They might have this pain in the dorsum of the foot. They don't need to have pain in the back. Um, most people with nerve root compression don't have back pain, okay? They may just have some paresthesia or pain down south of the lumbar spine, some people get it all the way down through a ridiculous pattern, and others uh, may just hit spots on the way down to the uh, foot. So those are really the six most common you know, sources of dorsal foot pain. Other sources out there would be like neuropathy, which really is an episode of its own. You can develop ganglion cysts over the dorsum of the foot. You can have skin conditions. Uh, you know, we saw 
patient last year who had a, a tibialis anterior rupture. Super, super rare. I've seen that one, which was the only one in 31 years. Um, but things to take into consideration um, would be those. And so uh, I hope I was able to kind of get you to look outside of the box a little bit when somebody comes in with dorsal foot pain. Hope you enjoyed today's episode. Next week is going to be our 300th episode. I just really can't believe it. I was surprised to get to 50 episodes, and I said the same thing at 100, then 200, um, 250, but we have 300 rolling around uh, the corner here. So tell all your colleagues about OrthoEvalPal so they can learn more about how to get comfortable with their orthopedic evaluation and management skills. I hope you have a great day. Be kind to each other and take care. We hope you've enjoyed the show. For some more awesome content, go to orthoevalpal.com. Can't wait to see you there.